Welcome back to our third podcast of Act Right. This is Craig Gehring, founder of Mastery Prep, here with Oliver Pope and Lisa Redman, and we're here to help you get better ACT scores. Although today we are going to be focused on the other test, the other bear in the room, not the tiger. Those of you who listened to our previous podcast, um, little little fan note there, right, for all three of you listening. And uh, Oliver, he um, he just came back. He flew in dramatically wearing a cape, an SAT cape, from having delivered a professional development session in North Carolina on uh, the SAT, the redesigned SAT. And so uh, we just wanted to take a little time to talk about the redesign of the SAT. We know a lot of students, a lot of parents, a lot of teachers and administrators are all trying to figure out what's up with this new test. Should my child take the SAT? Should they take both the ACT and the SAT? Should I cry? Should I gnash my teeth? What does it even mean? Um, and uh, so today we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that. And uh, I, I guess the first question that I have um, that I think we should discuss is what makes it redesigned? When they say we have the redesigned ACT, SAT or what the media is calling the new SAT, um, what what does that mean? So it actually means a lot this time around. Uh, there's definitely still some similarities to the SAT, and it's you know it's multiple choice questions, etc. But when you really look at it, it changes a lot of what's happening. So the old SAT or, or the previous generation had three scored sections. You had a critical reading, you had a mathematics, and you had a writing section. And the, you know they were both scored, or all three of them rather, were scored from a 200 to 800 scale. And you know then you got you got your three numbers, and then you had uh, you know different parts, whatever. Anyways, well the, the redesigned SAT only has two scored sections. So what they did basically at a very surface level is they took the grammar portion of the last generation SAT and they mushed it together with the reading and to create one score. Is mushed a technical term? Mush is a very technical term. It's in all their technical uh, documents. And what they we did- We will accomplish the mushing. Yes, they mush is the whole subtitle <laughs> of the of the documents actually. But they mushed it together to make it into this evidence-based reading and writing score. It's on a scale of 200, 800. So effectively math goes from being one third of the score to being half the score. And reading and writing end up being it's the other half. That's really different from from the ACT, where you know the math score is just a fourth, twenty five percent. So, um, mm-hmm. did, would that seem to indicate that students who are very strong in math should should really think about doing the the new SAT? So I'm definitely leaning that direction. I you know little caveat: this is still new, right? We don't know a lot about how the SAT is actually going to come out. You know, when the GRE was revised, there was a lot of misinformation about that before it came out. When the MCAT was revised, same thing. There's a lot of th- this happens in standardized tests. Well, if the SAT has been revised. You know, I want to see students take the test, start getting some results, start seeing what happens. But generally speaking, that's my inclination for a couple of reasons. One, the math on the SAT is a couple notches harder in terms of comprehension than the ACT and even the even the last generation SAT. So the students who were you know, really strong in math and we're maxing out their math, they, uh, they're, they're going to have, there's going to be a little bit of gradient now where like they might be able to get like a 790, whereas in the older SAT, even missing one question was usually down to a 760 or something. So I think there's some element for like, this is going to be the math test and that it's going to work really well. Isn't there something different about calculator use on the SAT? Yeah. So one of the things too, uh, and this goes, <clears throat> excuse me, this goes with the, um, with the, you know, strong math students element is that one of the math sections, there's actually two math sections on the current, uh, uh, the revised SAT. 
one of them has no calculator. You're not allowed to use a calculator. Well, that could freak some students out. Yeah, and I've already heard misinformation. I've heard, you know, there was a, uh, a news newspaper in North Carolina that we were looking at that said there's no calculator in the SAT. Well, there is. There's a whole section, 38 questions that you can use a calculator, but there is a 20-question uh, 20 section that has no calculator. So again, this is one of those things that if you have kids whose initial instinct is 2 plus 2 and we pick up my calculator, that's going to be a totally different world for them. And honestly, my experience so far looking at it is that the calculator doesn't even help that much on the calculator section. I actually think the calculator would be more helpful on the non-calculator section of the SAT. <laughs> the uh, Which is probably why they don't let you have it there. Exactly. I give it to you for the reading, too. <laughs> Well, and so it seems like there may be some advantage. The, the, mushing, the mushing factor might cause students who are not as strong a reader but pretty good at the math or very strong in the math to maybe have a little bit of an advantage on the SAT. I, think, I know in the ACT, actually three-quarters of the tests depend on reading ability, right? The English right. test, the reading test, the science test. Um, the fact that only half of the SAT score is impacted by reading could make a difference. Although um, it seems like, just like before, a lot of the SAT math questions are word problems. They're still requiring the students to read quite a bit, would you say? Yeah, I mean, you're never going to escape word problems. Every standardized test to the to the death of the universe will have word problems on them. Um, you, know, you know, sentient AIs will be doing word problems somehow. But the there are definitely a lot of equation manipulations, linear equations, functions, systems of equations on the test. But yeah, word problems still exist. How much they impact the student compared to the last generation or compared to ACT, I still haven't, I still haven't got a handle on that, but they're definitely present. Okay. Let's talk about for a moment the other side of the, of the moon, the other side of the SAT test, the, the English, the, the verbal part. Um, now it's not called verbal anymore. It's called, um, it was, the, it was never called verbal, it was never called verbal. <laughs> what is it called? It's, it's called, well, this is called reading, the reading test. Uh, it's called reading. Well, the, the, the combined is evidence-based reading evidence and writing, which is a mouthful. So reading for the one, one quarter, e one half. There you go. Yes. It's a nice acronym. Uh, and the other one's called the writing and language test, which okay. I just, let's call it writing just for the sake of sanity. Yes. But it doesn't involve the student writing things. It involves them proofing and editing. Right. It, yeah, and that's the that's a slight, I guess maybe a leftover from the old generation. The old generation, the writing test included grammar and an essay. Now the essay is totally separate from that score, so you get you know, it has no effect on your two hundred, eight hundred. It's its own little entity, kind of like the ACT. Uh, but the writing section is you know grammar, you know composition, that sort of thing. Now, when I was in high school, everybody who took the SAT, we were all, you know, using our flashcards and studying a lot of vocabulary because it was tested very explicitly on the test. Is, is that still the case? No. So the reading test, well, yes and no, right? First of all, vocabulary always helps reading comprehension. That's just a fact. So if you can study vocabulary, you should study it. It just makes you better reader, better thinker, just in general, right? But the last generation of the SAT actually had questions that would say things like, you know, uh, blah, 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 blank, blah, 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 right? And then you have answer choice. Just choices. like that? Just Actually. like that. They would just say blah, blah, blah. Is, and then, is blah, blah, blah also a technical Yeah, blah, term? blah, blah is very technical. Blah, 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 mush, blah, blah, blah. It's actually Welsh, um, so it's really complicated. But then the answer would say, like choice A would say, you know, succinct, and choice B would say verbose, and choice C would say scintillating or something, right? And you have all these words, and students would be like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going on. So that's all gone now. You don't have those those uh, sentence completion fill in the blank kind of questions on the SAT. Instead, though, you do see 
see a lot of what they call word and context questions. So they'll say in line one, how does the author, you know, what does the author mean by the word direct? And so the vocabulary isn't necessarily challenging in those questions, typically, but they're definitely comprehension style questions where you have to be able to understand how words use contextually. So. Yeah, it sounds like it's more it's more about using context clues for the, that kind yeah. of vocabulary test. Yeah, don't go get flashcards with the word direct on it. Yes. Like that's not that's not gonna be the way to go. Our um you know, our strategy on the ACT reading test is to have students because of how much they have to read in the very short time span that they are given uh, to, to read the reading passages on the ACT, uh, we recommend that students spend some of their time focusing on where can they find information so they can go back to it very quickly. While they're skimming through the passage at the front, they're, they're focusing on what they need to to be able to scan back and find the answers that they need. Um, is, this, is this a same strategy valid, do you think, on the new SAT? Uh, I don't, you know, again, it, it's still new, but I really don't think so. And there's some fundamental reasons why. So I want to get like too geeky here, but when you look at the ACT. Yes, you do. Yes, geek I, okay, away, geek I, away. I do want to be geeky, but I'll try not to get too geeky. <laughs> so when you look at the ACT, you have about eight minutes to do a passage. It's about 900,000 words or so with uh, 10 questions, right? Eight minutes to do that much. It's a lot. When you look at the SAT, the passage length's a little different. It, it, you can't quite tell if you just look because I think the font's like a font size bigger or something. But they have about 750 words, and you'll have 10 to 11 questions, but you have 12 minutes to do it. So first that's of all, luxurious. yeah, that's luxurious in comparison to the ACT. It's 50% more time, right? And you put it in that perspective for a little bit less reading. <clears throat> And there's some other little like wrinkles into that that I won't go into just now. But basically, you've got a lot more time. But the other other catch to it is two two parts. First of all, you know, you look at the ACT. It's something like 40% of the questions will give you a line reference, right? And then maybe another like I don't know, 10% will just be what's the main idea or something. You know, there's not that many of those on the ACT. On the SAT, if you go through what they've released, like their practice tests, almost every question is either about the whole passage or it tells you where to go in some fashion, like which paragraph or whatever. So really remembering where stuff is just isn't important. And the other thing, which is again, getting into the weeds, is the most of the questions it seems, a good like, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not most, but like a high percent, like 20 to 40% of the questions are about big picture ideas or they're about the purpose for things. Why did the author use the example? What was the reason for this analogy? that sort of thing. And so those are way less about can you find it, and they're way more about did you process it. So I, you know, our old thing is there's one question, which is where on the ACT? One question, where? Where's the stuff? To me on the SAT, I think the one question is why? Why is the stuff? That's a good point. I, um, so you're saying that on this reading comprehension test, you actually have to comprehend what you just, read. You have to comprehend just a little. It's incredible, right? It's just incredible. What a the, crazy idea. Upending the standardized test world. You know, uh, I want to just piggyback on that concept of vocabulary. You know, vocabulary is actually a very essential part of what makes up a reading level. And, you know, to the bookworms go the spoils on any of these tests, SAT, ACT. They're never, as long as the test is in English um, and requires comprehension, the students who are strong readers are just going to do much better. If you're listening to this podcast 
God bless your soul, and you are like six years old um, <laughs> because you don't know how to operate an iPad and you downloaded <laughs> us, um, you should start reading right now and just read as much as you possibly can and just imagine that every book that you read, you are like, it's like money in the bank for you. And, um, you know, the only way to get better at reading is to read, and reading is not something you take a crash course on. You can't do a test prep course on it. The only thing that you can do to get better at reading, which is the main lever for improving score outcomes on the ACT and on the on the written on the reading portion of the SAT test is getting better at reading. You gotta you gotta read. So um, also read, and um, you should also would, read. I, would, I just yeah, wanted to say. I would also like to say read. So um, great. Now on a more gossipy note, why do you think the SAT did this redesign? Like, what do you think? Was their their motivation or, or what what's going on what's going on there? I'm actually curious about that too because when I took the SAT, it had also just changed. I, I remember it being the first year of the new SAT, and so now it's changed again. So I'm wondering what what is with all the constant revamps. And yeah, you know, I also had the I I got in when you I took the SAT right, right before, before like I got I got that 1600 and I just narrowly avoided taking that that writing one. test and the new one and all that. I like how we just dropped. I just got a 1600. I just dropped the 1600. You saw that? <laughs> so I got a Boom. perfect score, so I didn't have to take the, <laughs> yes. flash, take the new flash one. Back that's right. That's how I roll over. By the way, I got a 1600 on the that's SAT. A SAT. That's, right. yeah. that's a perfect score. That's a perfect score. For the record, I don't remember what I <laughs> Yeah, but there, there was an awkward period, though, where you tell someone, I got a 1600, and they're like, out of 2400? <laughs> you're right. the owner of the company? I just wouldn't even say that. Just yeah. keep it on the DL. Just talk about the ACT. <clears throat> so, yeah, so that's a really good question. So I don't, you know. There's a lot of like inside baseball politics type stuff that goes on with standardized testing, and it's funny because you know they're nonprofit companies, and you think of them as you know these. You, know, you hear the word nonprofit, you often think, oh, they're you know feeding starving children, and you know they're they're helping people out. But it's they're still interested in market share, and so there's this big piece where like they want people to pay for the SAT and buy the SAT. Maybe they think they have the best test. Maybe they just you know, they want to all keep jobs. I don't know, but there's an interest in that. And the ACT is for a long time, maybe even the past, I don't know, probably 10 years or so, been really gaining in popularity. And it was a long time. It was pretty, a pretty regional test. The ACT used to be mostly, you know, uh, the Midwest and, you know, uh, you know, some of the South and that sort of thing. But really what's happened now is ACT has done a really good job of marketing itself across the country. And, People have been really liking it, and states have been adopting it for accountability. Schools have been uh, starting to use it, you know, now universally. Students have been gravitating towards it. I even have advised a lot of students to just take the ACT because it profiles for them really well. And I think the SAT is looking to basically get its market back. And so it's working really hard and moving really aggressively to get states to start using as a, you know, as a accountability test. It's working really hard to get students to get on board. And I think there's a big piece of that. That makes sense. You know, and it's, it's kind of made some news, you know, the, um, it's rare, like, you know, we're in this little world of test prep and we're obsessed with tests and standardized tests. But it's rare to see, um, you know, on the front cover of the New York times or time magazine, um, you know, standardized test bubbles talking about how the, the SAT is, is being redesigned, but it impacts a lot of students. You know, I think what's interesting is that just about every person that I meet has some kind of ACT or SAT story. You know, either they, you know, they took it or their kids taking it or, you know, it's a, it's a part of the whole, 
American consciousness is this whole concept of we test and we 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 drown our children in these in these bubble sheets and like that's just a part of life. Um, live with it, kids. So, you know, I think that this redesign has has made some waves and you know I definitely agree with you, Oliver. I think they're trying to to pick up some market share and and be and remain relevant. You know, the ACT is um has really uh, become the most popular test in the country and I think that they they want to catch up. So uh, that's all the time we have today talking about the SAT. Yes, Lisa. I just want to point out that I broke the streak. I did not hit my microphone. That's not three out of three. It's not over yet. And it's not over yet. Third podcast with no striking. You of just the hold your hands up like this and just rotate. <laughs> that's all it takes. Just this saying. Mike Mastery. One point for me. Okay, that's true. Okay, Lisa wins. So that that's all we have today. That's the result of the podcast today. Lisa wins. Um, she did not hit her microphone and. Uh, furthermore, we got to talk to Oliver and hear some about the new SAT test. Uh, next podcast, we're actually going to be talking with uh, Chris Gilliland, who is our manager uh, for over implementations in North Carolina. And he's going to be talking about how uh, schools in North Carolina have uh, taken some innovative approaches to getting ready, helping their students get ready for the ACT. And I think that no matter whether you're a student, a parent, or a teacher or administrator, there'll be something for you in this next podcast. So until then, thank you very much. This is Craig Gehring with Oliver Pope and Lisa Redman signing out.